everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend on Spotify or wherever you guys are listening to the podcast. I am the host, Josh Sanchez, and the purpose of Your Spiritual Best Friend is to connect spirituality, mental health, and astrology all in one because it's important for everyone to realize that we are all on our own spiritual journey at the end of the day. So the more we open up, the more we are able to connect with each other and grow as a collective society. So sit back and relax and enjoy your spiritual best friend. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I got a chance to interview special guest Kathleen Danelli Israel. And with this podcast, since we really don't get into a lot of astrology talk, this podcast will be considered a bonus special podcast for you guys, so you guys can check out on all platforms and stuff. It's a really special podcast, guys, because me and Kathleen, we really get in deep with her journey from caretaking her husband for eight years because her husband had Parkinson's disease, so she really opens up and describes the journey through the highs and lows and even experiencing grief when he did end up passing away. So if you guys know a loved one or anyone that is experiencing a really like life-threatening illness, check in on them and make sure that they're okay, because Kathleen and this conversation was a really great and eye-opening conversation for me. And Kathleen is just so open to share, which I really appreciate. So you guys can check out all of Kathleen's work, her Facebook group, her website, even her on even her social media by clicking in the links in the show description. And like always, guys, please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you wanna wherever you guys listen to the platform. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Kathleen. Hey everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Kathleen. Kathleen, how are you doing today, and what's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I think God was dealing with me last night, but, you know, I think I'll be okay. (laughs) Really happy to be here. Of course, Kathleen, and I'm also very happy to have you for, like, this podcast and stuff, and we're really going to have a lot of fun when it comes to our conversation. So I really think really starting us off, like my first question, when it comes to work and passions, what are some things that you're really passionate about? And what are some things that you enjoy doing for work? For work? Gee whiz. You know, I love graphic design. I really do. I I used to be a graphic designer and I got away from it. And I've been taking classes in the Adobe products lately. So that that's been really fun for me. Oh, and I I teach breathing. That's really fun. Really love that. Really powerful stuff. Yeah, Kathleen. Now, now when it comes to like teaching like breathing and also like graphic design, have you always been passionate for that ever since you were younger? Or did you have like a like a spiritual moment or a spiritual calling to to do this type of work? The breathing was a spiritual calling. Actually, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And my mother told me that not very many people get to do that. Maybe I better think of something else. So that's why I went into graphic design. Um, My dad was a commercial artist. And I thought, well, if you want to make money and you want to do art, you better do graphics. So that's why I did that. But anyway, after years, I, I started studying 
fashion again. So <laughs> that made me happy. <laughs> we always have, we always are like passionate about certain things, you know, like when it comes to like, for you, it was like fashion and stuff. What about fashion specifically that you've always been very interested in? Well, I, I started making my own clothes when I was like 10 years old and I always sewed my prom dresses, my wedding dress. I, I sewed everything and I just felt like I was good at it. And I didn't even think of it as fashion, but I just wanted to design clothing. I didn't, you know, I really enjoyed creating clothing. Of course. And and that's really cool as well, because I know that you mentioned like you've also you've you've been very interested in like creating like clothing and all that stuff, too. And now like you're doing a lot of like breeding techniques and really helping you uh, like helping others and stuff. And that leads me right to my next question. So when it comes to like helping others and teaching them breeding techniques. So let's say someone is just coming in and it's really struggling with trying to find themselves, you know, and it's like and is seeking for help. Tell me a little bit of the process where like you'll like what you would do to really help them practice breeding techniques and also like help them really like understand themselves. What I do when I, I get a new client, I have an intake form, but then I have them draw like a picture of themselves, like a, a gingerbread kid or a stick figure. And then I have them give them colored pencils or crayons and have them put in their pains, any pains they have in their body or any concerns they have. Then I like lay them down and look at their breathing and I can tell where they're breathing. If they're not breathing in their heart, that tells me that they had their heart shut down maybe, uh, you know, by their parents or a, or a lover. And then uh, if they're not breathing in their stomach, then I'm like, okay, so they, their, their free will has been squashed and and I can help them breathe in those areas you know I just have a body map that I use and I can tell where they're having difficulties a lot of people come to me with like cancer and COPD then I can work on like if they have breast cancer they're probably not breathing in their chest area and the, uh, the same thing with the COPD and I can help them breathe in that area and they can resolve their problem. Yeah, Kathleen. And I just want to say first, I want to commend you as well for, for doing that type of work as well, because I know working with patients, especially a lot of patients that like experience cancer and like other like threatening illnesses, you know, like it can be definitely a lot, you know, and that just leads me right to my next question. So like, I know you mentioned in your last answer that like you've worked with cancers that uh, with patients that have like, experienced cancer and stuff. What's really like some advice that you would give to a patient, like someone that is really going through like a, a life threatening like illness, you know, like what's some advice that you would give to them as they try and take on like their own journey while also experiencing the life threatening illness and, and stuff like that? I learned a technique. It's called Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of that? I've heard a little bit, but not, not that much. And I'll give you the floor. The floor is yours to explain it all. So um, Ho'oponopono is a Hawaiian healing technique for the family. And when I learned the Ho'oponopono, I just thought, you know what? This is going to change things up for me. It starts out, I love you, and it's the big I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves them. 
they love God. And if you can say it, you can say, I love them, you know, but if you can't say it, then, you know, you're just, you don't have to do that. And please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract whatever. And then thank you for showing me this so I could heal. Because if I didn't know this pain inside of me, I couldn't heal from it. And then the big, I love you. So it's really about forgiveness. But what I think for myself and what I tell people is um, all the things in my life and in your life that you have attracted in that's been cause you chagrin, you attracted it in, you know, it's like if, if you hadn't had this sadness inside of you, or if you hadn't had some kind of sadness or pain inside of you, you would not have brought in, brought that in. So I think forgiveness of ourself for bringing this in is really important. Whereas I feel like I don't need to forgive them because I brought it in. So a lot of the stuff in our life that stops us like from breathing in our heart area or breathing in our belly area, we brought it in. We may be blaming other people for all these things. And, you know, we wouldn't have brought it in if if we didn't have that pain inside of us. It's like buttons you can push. You can push my buttons and maybe I'm angry with you for being that kind of person that pushes people's buttons. But no, I need to own my buttons. And so I think in healing from the things that have caused us um, not to be able to breathe in certain areas of our body, we need to forgive ourselves for bringing that in. Yeah, Kathleen, I, I really thought that was a really spot on answer, you know, because we all got to be able to learn how to forgive ourselves. And I definitely think that's definitely a, a long process and a long journey, depending on like how much stuff like we've experienced, you know, during our lifetime. But the first step is to always, like you said, you know, like forgive yourself, because once you're able to forgive yourself, then you're able to take on other steps and you have a stronger foundation with yourself. And then you end up growing and becoming like, you know, like a better, like the next steps, you know, the next level as, as a human being and stuff, which is important. So self-forgiveness, Kathleen, I definitely think is very spot on. What do you think the other steps are for us to take in order for us to continue that healing process? Well, creating grace around ourselves by raising our vibration, finding ways to raise our vibration. Like gratitude raises your vibration, but you know what? Praise raises your vibration even more. And so you can really surround yourself with grace by Number one, forgiving yourself for bringing in any sad stuff, but also praising God, praising other people. My daughter told me, gee, every time I thank somebody for something, my life goes wrong. I'm not going to thank people for things anymore. And I told her, well, okay, but praise is, is a higher vibration than gratitude. And uh, she said, okay, well, next time my mother-in-law watches our kid, I'm instead of saying thank you, at which point she says, oh, don't thank me. I loved it. I'm just going to tell her she's a great grandmother. And that's a praise. And so that's how she solved that problem from herself, that she was, instead of saying thank you, she praised the other person. 
I mean, gratitude is really important. And a lot of people think it's the best thing in the world, but really praise is even better. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Kathleen. Like, we got to be able to praise our peers and the people that we surround ourselves with. Because that's how we're able to, you know, like we we all we all feed off of each other's energy, like you said, like the vibrations, the energy. We, we're beings that are filled with energy and stuff. And I really think that's a really uh, another spot on answer. But just continuing our conversation a little bit, I know we talked a lot about like your passions and like what you really like to do in terms of helping people. I know you're also an author as well. Tell me a little bit of that process, you know, of creating your own book and also even like publishing. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, my I'm just going to tell you a little story. My my husband, I was we were married for 48 years, but he was 50, 51 years old when when he got Parkinson's disease. And well, he had it for a while, but they didn't know what it was. But anyway, he's quite young. And I ended up being his caregiver um, after, you know, like he got it in 2001. So by 2010, he was completely disabled. He was okay till then, but 2010, he became completely disabled. And then I had to be home to caring for him. I couldn't, you know, just leave. So I spent my evenings online studying enlightened thought leaders and doing a lot of healing for myself. I had a lot of trauma from my childhood, kind of crummy childhood ick. So he died in 2018. So it was like eight years worth of studying with these enlightened thought leaders. And after that long time of studying, I really felt like I had learned some stuff and maybe formulated some of my own philosophies after turning over all this information in my head. So I wanted to write a book about all those philosophies. And um, so after my husband died, I, I walked the Camino Santiago de Compostela, which is 500 miles across northern Spain. I was 69 years old, but I mean, I, I w I've always been a walker, so I, I knew I could do it. And um, when, when I got home, I thought, well, okay, it's time to write the book. And I joined the self-publishing school. That's the name of the school, self-publishing school. It's online. And so, yeah, I gave them a bunch of money, but they showed me how to do it. And uh, that was really great. And so I went to write the book and I was reluctant to seem teachy. I didn't want to seem teachy. I remembered that I told people on the Camino about all of my philosophies. And so I wrote my book about walking the Camino and telling people about my philosophies and, you know, the adventures I had, really kind of crazy things that happened. So that's how I wrote the book. And it really only took me three months to write the book. I mean, it took me quite a bit longer to publish the book, but the self-publishing school told me exactly what to do. So that's what I did. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. 
Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. But I know you mentioned a couple parts in your previous answer. Like the first part, I know you mentioned a lot about like your husband and stuff. I can only imagine, you know, like being like a caretaker, you know, for eight years, that really must have been a very long journey in that self, you know, of like the highs and the lows, you know. So if you can describe to me a little bit, because I know in the long run, you've definitely learned a lot from it and you're able to really like grow and like become even like a better person than you once were. Describe to me a little bit of like that journey of just the highs and lows of of caretaking Well, when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, uh, we still had one child at home and he was just going off. He was a senior in high school and he was just going off to college the next year. And when they finally figured out what was wrong with Ron, he couldn't write anymore and his job changed and he was going to have to write, document everything he did from then on. And he couldn't write anymore. And so he had to quit his job. And he thought he would get another job. But then when they gave him the meds, uh, he fell asleep all the time. So he couldn't have another job. So there we were with his little tiny pension because he had to retire. I mean, he worked there for 31 years. But still, you know, they don't give you very much money when you retire in your 50s. So that was a really tough time. And on top of that, I wanted to find a cure for him. I wanted him to get better so we could do our dreams, our dreams of what we would do in retirement and stuff. Like I thought we were going to be riding our bicycles across France or something. You know, he was an athlete. He did not want me to heal him. He did not want me to be his healer. He wanted me to accept him the way he was. He wanted to do the medical model for Parkinson's disease. He wanted to take the meds. And and I'm not a person who takes meds, um, I mean, very much. I mean, I take as little as I can. And so it was was a struggle, a real struggle uh, for me because he knew what he wanted to do. And there I was wanting him to get better. And um, so I had to give up my wanting him to get better because he wouldn't do anything. I I bought this cure from this guy in Australia and he would not do it. He was not interested in it at all. I bought all these negative ion clothing and bedding, very expensive, put them on, on my credit card and he would not wear them. And uh, I was just really frustrated. You know, when you've been married so long, you just kind of, you know, know what you can get and what you can't get. And I wasn't going to get that from him. So I just became his caregiver and actually watched him decline. 
you know, they gave him meds and then they gave him meds to counteract the side effects of those meds. And then they gave him meds to counteract the sides of, you know, the side effects of those meds. And by the end, by um, 2010, he was taking eight pills, eight pills, like several times a day. He got stenosis of the spine. uh, And I thought, you know what? You are med soup. You know, I just felt like that was his problem, that he was just so full of meds uh, that uh, that happened to him. And so this doctor came out and told me uh, he wanted to cure Ron. He was a retired doctor and he wanted to write a book about how he cured Ron. And so I told him, well, go talk to Ron about it because Ron's not going to do what I want him to do. (laughs) And so... So he did, and the and the he took Ron. Ron went okay. He was in so much pain. You could look at him and just say, "This guy is in pain." So he took him off of all the meds, and then the next day, uh, Ron was in really a lot of pain. He was crying. He said, "You don't understand. I need my meds." You know, and the doctor. I called the doctor, and he was actually walking up the street to my house because he came. To, to take care of Ron. And so he gave Ron a coffee enema and his pain went away. So he, okay, so he told me, okay, so you're going to be juicing celery and carrots and apples, green apples, and give him three coffee enemas a day. And the doctor came every day and gave him vitamin B shots and some of this other stuff. I mean, he kept bringing stuff to me like charcoal and, you know, just all this stuff. And he actually came every day for six months to, you know, he gave him one of the coffee enemas and I gave him the other two. And so anyway, after that, after six months and Ron was still, he became paralyzed. He, um, if he didn't take the meds, he was paralyzed. So even though he wasn't in pain anymore, he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. So after the doctor left, Ron was like, I mean, when he gave up after six months, Ron didn't want to take his meds because he didn't want to be in pain. He would prefer to be paralyzed than in pain. And my children were like, you can't leave him like that. You can't leave him paralyzed. So they wanted me to help him get a deep brain stimulator. And I was like, okay. So we had to drive up to LA from San Diego and The first uh, operation worked, and then they did the second side. And after that, he couldn't walk and he couldn't talk. So it was a failed surgery. So that's when I, I started my journey of, yeah, I'm a caregiver. That's my, I had to quit my job. And so I was just a caregiver for him. And it was really hard for me because uh, my health went way down. I was just doing whatever I could to help him all the time. And it wasn't like I wasn't taking care of myself. I mean, my health just went down. You could look at me and I, my, I got, I mean, I don't look so old right now, but I really looked old then, you know, it's been four years since he died and I've gotten sort of gotten myself back, but um, it was very hard for me. And I was so glad there in San Diego, there's this group, it's called Southern Caregivers. And they would send him to a nursing home once a year so I could take um, 
a few days off. And um, that was really good. And then at his 70th birthday, I told my children, everybody came, they all live in Texas. Well, one of them lives here, but I told them that I needed them to take care of their dad one week a year. I have five kids, so, you know, that would give me five little vacations during the year. And so then they started helping me in that way. Yeah, Kathleen. First, I want to say that thank you again for being so open to share, because I definitely know like everything that you've experienced, you know, it definitely takes a lot to be open to share, you know, because I can only imagine for you, you know, caretaking someone that you very, that you love so dearly, you know, for eight long years, you know, and that's, and and it's just a constant, just like every day struggle for you, you know, because you really love this person. You really care about this person and seeing him like slowly decline, you know, it must've been very hard for you to really handle that, you know? So as you're, as you were saying, like, I really struggled with taking care of myself during the time because yeah, like during that time period, you know, like every day you're, you're worried about your partner, you know, making sure that he's okay and he's taken care of. So then when it comes to yourself and your own self-care, you know, like that gets put second. And so I just want to first say, Kathleen, thank you for being open to sharing that long journey. And I know how much, how hard that must have been to be able to open up and stuff because it's a lot, you know? So, and I think having conversations like these, you know, like where we can be open and be honest and and get everything out of our chest is something that's very important. So first I want to say thank you, Kathleen, for sharing that journey and being very insightful my next question, just for you, just building off of everything, what's some advice that you would give to somebody, let's say someone that is in a similar position as you once were, you know, pretty much like it, what, what's some advice that you would give to yourself in the beginning of that journey, now that you've like gone through it and you've experienced it all, what's some advice they would give to yourself and also other people that are just starting, starting that journey of caretaking their loved one? that is experiencing like a really like serious illness, you know, where their life can be, could be on the line. We, we actually prayed together. I was at a, a religious goods store and I, f- I found this holy card and it said this blessed Solanus Casey, they, he, they needed a miracle so that he could be a saint. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's do this novena to Solanus Casey. And that would be great to get a miracle for him. And, you know, I was all excited about it. And so I brought it home and my husband was game. And so, you know, when we were in there doing the enemas, we would do this novena. So after we did that novena and after nine days, we just kept going because we thought, well, what the heck, let's just keep doing this. And Turned out I got the healing because I wasn't angry anymore. And so that was really great uh, to not be angry anymore. Everybody's got their reason to be to be a caregiver. Like when we got married, uh, you know, we did the death do us part thing, you know, and I was 20 years old when we got married. But you know what? I was listening and I I remember the night before our wedding, I said to myself, you know what? Okay, tomorrow my life is not mine anymore. My life is life is our life. And I and I and I got it. 
And so when it was time to be his caregiver, there was no question about whether I was going to do this or not. And even though it wasn't my first choice of a way to deal with the illness, um, yeah, I was his I was his partner. And uh, the other thing is that I, if we're going to do this death do us part thing, I would prefer to be the well one. I would prefer that he was the one with the illness and I was well to take care of him instead of me being the one with the illness and him caring for me. I mean, if you're going to do till death do us part, you're probably not going to die on the same day. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to be caring for somebody somehow. And I, that's what I just thought. And, you know, in sickness and health, that's what I said. I said, I do, you know, and I, that was it. <clears throat> I recommend people think about that, that it's better to be the caregiver than the sick person, number one. And, and that I did make a commitment and I honor my commitment. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash gave away over $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcash, it's a great way to get cash, and best of all, it's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list, or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Because marriage is very serious, you know, like we really got to, you really got to be honest with yourself before you get into it. So the fact that you did that, I definitely think that really helped you in the long run as well. So power to you, Kathleen, for being able to reflect and also be be such a really good caretaker. Because like we've talked about before, it's definitely, it's definitely a long journey. It's highs and lows and it's definitely a lot. Um, but I know you mentioned some like support groups. What are some like other resources that you really went to um, while you were being like, while you were caretaking your husband and stuff like that? Well, one really cool thing was they had tremble clefts and it's kind of like tremble, you know, Parkinson's disease. And it was a singing group and people with Parkinson's, even though they have problems, they can sing. And so we, we got in this, um, Tremble Clef's singing group, and we would go around <laughs> and sing at people's luncheons and stuff. And that was really great. Uh, really, the person that was in charge of it was like a saint. The Parkinson's um, Foundation had a support group. I really did not want to join a support group early on in his disease because I had been told that the late stages of Parkinson's disease were really awful. And I did not want to see people in the late stages. I didn't want 
a premonition of what it was going to be like. I want to just do it one day at a time and come across how it was every day. So um, it was uh, quite a while before we joined a support group and he enjoyed it. And um, they had support for the, we would break off in groups. All the people with Parkinson's would go in that group and all the people with uh, that were caregivers would go in that group. And we would just kind of do the camaraderie thing. Also, um, our son graduated from Gonzaga University up in Spokane, Washington. And anyway, uh, he had to support himself in college because Ron quit his job, you know, and we, we didn't have very much money. And he, he became a salesman. He sold Cutco knives and he got, he got really good about it. And he loved his customers. I mean, you can tell a good salesman if they love their customers, right? And so he actually donated $1,000 to the Parkinson's Disease Foundation um, because, um, because of in, in Ron's name. And they sent Ron a thank you note. And Ron was like, wow, I need to do something for John. And he was thinking about it. And he said, you know what? I'm going to ride my bicycle to Spokane, Washington from San Diego for John's uh, graduation. <laughs> And um, I said, okay, well, we're going to have to stay somewhere every night and we're going to have to have food. We're going to have to have gas. And because I would have to follow him in the car, you know. And so I said, okay, you have to get $6,000. I did the math. You got to get $6,000 and we'll, we'll be able to do this. And also I had him go out and ride his bicycle to see how far he could go in a day. So we went 38 miles. And so I did the math and I said, okay, we'll have to leave on March 5th if we want to get there. I, I I figured he could ride his bike four days a week and take three days off. And then our neighbor across the street, who is a paraplegic, uh, had a motor home. And he told Ron, if I can go with you, uh, we can just sleep in the motor home every night and you have a place to stay. And I'm like... Oh man, I have to do this now. <laughs> I got a I got a paraplegic and a Parkinsonian. You know, I was the caregiver. So we did that. We we he rode his bicycle. We would go out and follow him in the car during the day and bring him back to the motorhome at night and bring him back out where he left off and you know, he rode his bicycle to Spokane, Washington. That was very special. <laughs> I just picture like your husband riding his bike, you know, and then there's a motorhome following him and then you're also joining as well. And Yeah. Carrying a, a car behind, you know, and, <laughs> and then uh, either Doug or I would go out with him during the day and follow him. You know, we had, we had a sign that said, you know, one man's ride for Parkinson's disease. And with our flashers on, so nobody would run him off the road or something. And um, and then the days when I stayed back at the at the motorhome, I would go into the town and tell the newspaper about it and hope they would write an article about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now, because I can definitely see how like this could be like a, a really big story as well. Like you have, like you're riding to the graduation and stuff. And did the newspapers did they end up like hooking you guys up or? Yeah, and we were getting money for the Parkinson's Disease Foundation also. We, you know, were, you know, wanted to tell people about it so they could donate. Anyway, <laughs> 
So he, we actually got there two days early and we waited outside of Spokane and then Ron rode his bicycle into the university and, um, buddies were out there screaming and yelling and they had the newspaper out there to make it, you know, do an article about it there too. Wow. That's really cool as well. And and I just want to say Kathleen, like through like the long journey of the highs and lows, you know, like you really did a great job caretaking and, and being there for your husband, I will say. And, you know, like, even though like the end might not have been what everybody wanted, you know, but to, to, to talk about the highs and lows of your journey, it definitely is a great story to hear and stuff. And I really appreciate you, again, being so open to share and to be honest with not only yourself, but also with like being comfortable with sharing your story to others as well. So power to you, Kathleen, for doing that. And a quick transition a little bit. I know we talked a lot about your journey from for you, like finding your passions. I know even like for you, even creating your book, I know you mentioned you did like a long, like walking journey um, across like a 500 mile trail. Tell me a little bit about like that process as well for you. Cause I can only imagine like 500 miles or around that. That's a long, that's a long trail to do. I had to prepare. Right. And so I, I um, watched all kinds of YouTubes about how to pack and what to take. I went to a I went to the uh, at the library. They had actually a lecture about how to pack light for the Camino. And that lady, I met her. She had done the Camino, and she gave me a lot of good ideas and about you know just where to stay and stuff like that and what to do. Right about January, I he died in August, and so I had a lot to do with you know insurance and banks and funerals and stuff like that. And by January, I was all done with all that stuff. And so I, I decided, well, I, I need to prepare. And I had been walking for quite a while with this lady, uh, Sabira. And I walked down at the bay, we would walk five miles in the morning, three days a week. And I didn't even break a sweat walking five miles. And so I thought, well, I can walk five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch. And that'll be fine. I can do this. And then I also uh, was volunteering at a horse ranch. They gave lessons to autistic children. And so I volunteered to clean out the stalls. And so there I was shoveling horse pucky and with a wheelbarrow. And I, and I got a really strong core from doing that. And so that was a good thing. And then my sister-in-law said, okay, Kathleen, you're going to have to hike up mountains too. So she put it upon herself to, to take me up mountains. So we, we climbed all the mountains around San Diego here and that got me ready for that. And so I was ready to go. And then I, you know, was ordering my clothing online, you know, I, I got lightweight sun protection clothing so that, um, I didn't have to wear sunscreen and just all kinds of stuff that I did too. Um, so anyway, the end of March, I, I, I mean, I had my airfare and everything. I flew to Paris and I stayed there for a week being a tourist so I wouldn't have jet lag when I started. I took a plane to Maritz and then I um, went to Bayonne and took a train. I mean, I took a taxi to Bayonne took a train to San Jean, Pied de Port, which is the beginning of the Camino Santiago, the Camino Frances. 
I stayed at the Balari like that lady told me to, the, the library lady. So um, I had some sick days. I got sick a couple of times, but from reading all those books, I, I, I just planned ahead for it. And I knew, I knew that would happen. So I actually, uh, I was 66 days on the Camino, the Camino Frances. And usually people do it in 35 to 45 days. So, but also I took Holy Week off. It was so great. I was on the Camino during Holy Week and oh my gosh, Spain knows how to do Holy Week. Oh my goodness. The drama, it was amazing. I mean, I wrote about it. I wrote about it in my book. It, it's wow. <laughs> I have a free gift for the people who read my book. And um, in the beginning, not the first page, but towards the beginning, it says, read this first. And it, it, it guides you through opting in to my website. And I made a portfolio with the pictures from the, the Camino and I put them in chapters so, um, so my gift is that you can see my pictures from the Camino because people told me, wow, I love your pictures. You need to put them in the book. And I thought, well, gee, I'm going to have to charge $50 for the book if I put the pictures in there. And so, um, that's my workaround. So that's my gift too. Well, Kathleen as well. And I just want to say thank you for, again, being open to share your own journey, experiencing like that long, that long walking journey of hundreds of miles and power to you for finishing and stuff like that as well. Um, Kathleen, I've really enjoyed our conversation and everything that you've been so open to share. Um, I'm going to give you the floor is yours. Where can everybody check out your book? And also, if you have like a website, where can everybody check out all your work? Well, here's here's my book. It's uh, Wisdom on the Camino, A Spiritual Journey Sharing Forgiveness and Possibilities to Inspire the Rest of Your Life. And my, my website is wisdomonthecamino.com. And on there, you can, you know, push the button and it'll take you to Amazon to get the book. Or you can just go to Amazon and put in Wisdom on the Camino and it comes right up and you can get it on Amazon. And I, and I have my podcasts on my website, too, so you can listen to the podcasts. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good to me, Kathleen. I really appreciate our conversation.